Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? It's going really well, Kate, because... I don't know. I haven't told you this, but I got really into essential oils this week and it has changed (laughs) my life. Like I've got a diffuser. I just keep peppermint oil vials in my nostrils at all times. And I I don't have any inflammation anymore anywhere. Except like around my nostrils. But that's to be expected. uh, Distributor's package? (laughs) I mean, how far are you in with this? (laughs) Oh, I I owe them like $1,200. Okay. We'll just, yeah. you know, as soon if any of our listeners want to have their life completely saved and yeah. like no just allergies, email me. Just email, yeah. just reach out and Noel will hook you up for the low shipping rate of, you know, what, nine thirty dollars. Thirty dollars. Yeah, no, it's actually really expensive. Please, <laughs> please buy essential oils from me. Please. Please. My person's gonna t- kick me out soon, please. <laughs> oh, good times. Good times. Yes, we enjoyed Bob's this week. Um, I also yeah. enjoyed the Golden Globes. Did you watch any of it? I only watched the opening monologue uh-huh. um, with uh, Andy and Sandra, and that was it. I didn't watch the rest of it because I don't... Well, no, that's not true. I did watch Olivia Coleman's spe- acceptance speech because I saw The Favourite also. The uh-huh. Favourite is amazing, BT dubs. Like, uh-huh. it's really good. It's real, real good. Um, so I strongly encourage everyone listening to go watch it if you don't mind a really kind of weird sexually fun movie but um <laughs> olivia coleman's great in it and well deserving of that award even if it is just the hollywood foreign press being the hollywood foreign press yeah yeah no i like who's it mo or somebody said on twitter a life goal be one of olivia coleman's bitches yeah that'd be great <laughs> It was delightful. Yeah, there were some good winners, and uh, there's some, a lot of really stupid winners, um, but that's the Hollywood Foreign Press for you. I thought they did a good job with the opening. I didn't watch the whole thing, because it was just like, way too long, of the, the whole yeah. show, but I did happen to catch some of the highlight moments. I watched the beginning. I got the This Is Us Kleenex thing, which was just, like, amazing, <laughs> uh, and uh, what else? I Oh, and then, of course, fashion-wise, I think we just are obliged to mention Billy Porter and his amazing cape. Did you see that? If I not, did you, not. You need to go seek it out. Go over to Tom okay. Lorenzo. I'm sure they have a post up about it. Because just, just Google Billy Porter Golden Globes and you'll just be like, yes! Oh, it's so fabulous. It's so terrific. Um, if you guys have thoughts on Golden Globes, reach out. I would like to hear them. I d- did not see as many like best moment write-ups for this as I feel like there usually are. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from just like the couple things like Regina King's thing about um, saying pledging for the next two years, she's only going to be involved in films with a 50% uh, female cast and crew. Um, and or just I think for production, maybe because, of course, like we were talking about the best of 2018, the terror, you can't possibly make that story 50% female, yeah. but you can have a 50% female crew and staff. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. so her making that pledge, I thought was really awesome. And of course, there were many lovely, wonderful speeches. Um, but mostly I just have enjoyed Andy Samberg making the late night rounds for Brooklyn Nine-Nine and everybody talking about the Golden Globes and him just being like, yeah, Sandra Oh is just amazing. She's just like the best. And, you know, it's like, yeah, that seems, that seems about right. I'm very excited. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I like that Sandberg has basically become Peralta, or Peralta has become Sandberg. I'm not quite sure what happened, but it's like the two have become one, basically. Yes. Apart from maybe a diehard fetish, but I don't know if Sandberg has a yeah. diehard fetish. Hey, you know what? He may. That's that's his business. Uh, yeah. We're going to talk about that when we get to the comedy portion of our week. I also must say I have been enjoying the various... Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine stands on Twitter, like Lin-Manuel Miranda, for example. Seth Meyers, another one. Um, just, like, geeking out about it, the show coming back. And there's been a real push, I think, for people to be like, don't forget, it's on NBC. Reset your DVR thing. Really, we really want to make sure that it actually does well and doesn't just peter out like usually happens when shows change networks uh fingers crossed and it everyone. Didn't. like the ratings were like really really strong uh, like they did better than they did on fox which is really interesting that's awesome i didn't i hadn't heard that i didn't know that so that is i mean it makes yeah. sense because it fits with the comedy block there uh yeah. that they have now they had good they were with other good shows on fox too but i yeah. think right now with shows that are actually on and airing like it fits really nicely right um but again, more on that when we get to our week in comedy. Uh, this week, we're going to be doing our 2019 winter TV preview, where we kind of talk through the the new shows that are premiering in the next several months and what we're excited about, what we have completely missed and don't know what they are. But uh, uh, the, mostly the the returns and the premieres we are most excited about, including February, was it 8th, recently announced, One Day at a Time, coming back, mm-hmm. and some other favorites, Jane the Virgin, March 27th? I didn't. I didn't look at the CW dates, but yeah, yeah it's sometime in March. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you check out that uh, top twenty TV dramas since The Sopranos premiered thing that was going around from New York Times? It was an excellent piece. No, I didn't. Um, I, 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 my feed was filled with a lot of Sopranos chatter to this, and I just went. Yeah. I don't understand what's happening, so yeah. I'm just going to go back <laughs> to my hole of. My job. <laughs> here's 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 what I'll say about it. I thought it was excellent and really well put together. I was reading it on my phone. Mm-hmm. It was like really well, really well done. Um, they they were all, I, in my opinion, terrific choices. But there were five shows between the um, the twenty picks, and there were like a handful of runners up, like that just missed the cut. And of those 20, like four, 25 shows, there were five that are currently still airing or on the air, and uh, they were Grey's Anatomy. Jane the Virgin, Atlanta, and then in the runners-up, there was Game of Thrones, and, that's right, Queen Sugar. <laughs> hey, look, someone watched Queen Sugar. Who wrote this? I was so excited. Queen Sugar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to go re- read the write-up. Um, but I was just like, yes, everyone. These are all terrific shows. I saw so many people posting about how this was such a great article, so many great choices, and I was like, yes, and none of you are watching Queen Sugar, which is on this list with all these other great shows that you love. So get off your ass and watch Queen Sugar. Okay. Well, it's also on a list with Game of Thrones and a number of other really great shows. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's a conversation, I think, maybe for another time, like when it comes back soon and you don't watch it. And I do. And I, so I talk no. about it a bit. But um, but I hear you. But that was a runner up. But Queen Sugar is also a runner up. So I can't we can't like bash Game of Thrones too much without bashing the list choices. Um, I'm going to back out at this conversation right now and just say Queen Sugar is awesome. And on that note, <laughs> let's listen to a little music and we'll be right back with our week in TV.
This week in TV, we're talking about the return of I'm Sorry, which came back for season two on True TV. Uh, the episode's Quietly Bleeding. Then we have the Brooklyn Nine-Nine premiere uh, of season six, Honeymoon. The Good Place is back for its last handful of episodes. The episode for this week was The Book of Dugs. Then we had Steven Universe, Escapism. You're going to talk about the second half of Marvel's Runaway season two. I'm going to talk about Surviving R. Kelly. And then we have Terrace House, Opening New Doors, part five. I'm very curious about your thoughts on this. And we'll round things out with RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars, Jersey Justice, and we'll find out if I ruined it for you by overhyping. Um, I'm very looking forward to that conversation, very much looking forward to that conversation. So first up, though, is I'm Sorry, which, again, I don't think very many people watch, uh, but we really like season one. Uh, did you like the season two premiere? Or are you glad it was back? I am glad it's back. Like, I really missed Andrea Savage's uh, particularly sort of filthy um excessively filthy sort of approach to this and very um, playful and yeah yeah playful that's what i was looking for playful was what i was looking for filthy and because playful because it is definitely both yeah 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 and i think that's a that's a super accurate and i miss tom everett scott's straight man sort of response to all this mm-hmm. um because it's so good and pure kate it's so good and pure <laughs> um and Menzukis as a person again Yes, and Menzukas is a person again, which is something I like. You and I talked about when during season one of like how really refreshing that is. Is that he gets to be a person, in a, and Andrea Savage is the crazy kookball sort of uh, character. So I really like this. It doesn't feel like it really missed a beat. I like the fact that they're finding ways to basically by aging up the daughter a little bit into like kindergarten, you have whole new tensions to sort of explore. Um, so I liked that. And then just this whole discussion about how much she would get as a prostitute, I think, was just amazing. <laughs> and also asking to take a picture of her husband's pubes to show to her daughter to <laughs> prove that daddy has pubic hair was just so good. And then just the the sheer beautiful uncomfort, uncomfortableness of being like, well, you got to fall asleep sometime while holding her cell phone. Um <laughs> It's very good, and I like that relationship a whole lot and how very comfortable it is mm-hmm. and how they can do that stuff, and it's built on trust, basically. And so that there's no, like, concerns that she's actually going to do this. Though there's probably a little bit of concern that she's actually going <laughs> to do it, but not a lot. So I was really glad to have it back. Um, how did you feel about the premiere? Yeah, it was it was super fun. And, and you're right, that edge is there, right? If the edge, like, there's, mm-hmm. there's obviously a lot of trust. and He doesn't actually think that she might, but she could. And she probably wouldn't, yeah. but she could. And they ride that yeah. line just right. Um, I also just, the way that they balance... Uh, ridiculous conversations 
but the kind of conversations people actually have with the specific type of ridiculous conversations that you can have around children where they will just ask yeah. stuff. And uh, <laughs> like, I think that works really well here. They, they, uh, the performance from Savage in the car with her daughter, I thought was terrific and also very relatable. <laughs> You're like, I guess this is the conversation we're having and I want to run away. Um, but I also know it's important to pass on the right messages to my child and uh that means i need to respond in this other way uh it, it was you know like i guess i'm the adult here so i better be more mature than my daughter <laughs> being very mature in this moment uh yeah i thought that that just all worked really really well i you know like you am very excited to have menzukis back uh, just menzukis back on our tv every week for a while here playing a much more rounded character he's so great at the ridiculous characters like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I don't enjoy him over on The Good Place and, and these other, you know, kind of roles that he gets cast in. But it's just like, let the guy play a human being, please. Yes, he can do the crazy eyes. Yes, he can do the, the big wild hair thing. Like, yeah, but it's just he's also a person and <laughs> it's nice to see an ad and a talented actor. And it's nice to see him get to do more. And um, it's it's really it's really, it's really great. It's really, really good to have him there. Uh, the the rhythms of the show, I think, are right back, like you said. And the energy of the show is just how I remember it. I think that this is not as instantly, like, laugh out loud as Racist Daughter. <laughs> like, our favorite episodes from yes. season one. But I think yes. that it is almost there and i was surprised how much i found myself like kind of chuckling along and really engaged um so i was right back in with this one and i'm gonna enjoy i'm sure watching the rest of the season yeah i'm really excited and in part because we just didn't get anything in 2018 from mm -hmm. them so like the last, season one was in 2017 which just feels so so long, long ago. ago kate uh, yeah yeah <laughs> Okay, yeah, let's uh, let's move along. Otherwise, I'm going to get stuck on how many various uh, things have happened since then, and that's going to be depressing. So let's focus on yeah. a show that picked up right where it left off, which is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And they had their season six premiere, Honeymoon. Of course, they're now on NBC, moving from Fox after being canceled. And we literally pick up the moment we left off <laughs> in the in the last finale, finding out uh, about the, the who was going to be the super... No, sorry, what is it? The commission. Commi Commissioner. I don't know why I went to superintendent. Commissioner of police. How did you feel they handled this? Uh, does it feel the same as it did before? It does mostly feel the same as it did before. I think, like, my biggest issue with Honeymoon is mostly, like, a logistical cost-saving one mm -hmm. in that they clearly had to go to a resort to film a number of exterior scenes, which resulted in a really compressed time frame, probably filming for everyone else's B and C plots, which if you'll notice only take place in two rooms <laughs> <laughs> and people come in leaving both of those rooms. So it's either the break room or Holt's office and there's very little other stuff being done. Um, and that was a little like, that was a little like noticeable, but I'm not quite sure how much of that was just the need for having to go shoot at this resort, wherever it was. Um, so that was a little frustrating, but it was made up for by the fact that this episode's just really funny at the resort. Mm -hmm. um, it was delightful to watch Andre Brower just be in various sorts of 
beach gift shop shirts. <laughs> Novelty shirts. And also... <laughs> And also explain, no, obviously the pineapple, the pineapple is, the slut. is the slut. Clearly. Yeah, it's it's clear. Um and all of that was I think just very, very good. And at this point in like the show's run, Brower is just like very in it. Mm-hmm. Like you can't not be in it. So they have to find different ways to sort of upgrade it. And I think they do that really well, especially like that little speech about the um the fish. Mm-hmm. So good. And really it was really delectable. And then just the beauty of that Bonnie Bedelia reveal. <laughs> Holly Gennaro and cosplay. How, yep. Yep. It's just so good. And like the hair is exactly right. Yeah. So the name drop of the, of like the costuming yeah. or the hairstylist. Yeah. Was just, was just like cherry, mm-hmm. cherry on top type of thing. So I really enjoyed everything that was at the resort. Everything else was kind of meh, but I'm excited to see what they do with this, um, at least for the next couple episodes, because they always get out of this whatever weird ramification that the finale has. They always get out of it kind of quickly about the precinct losing its bottom floor, basically, and everything being moved up to the bullpen. I'm curious to see how they navigate that since they sort of did this already when they had like one of one other precinct sort of moved in with them. Mm Um, but I'm curious to see what happens now, or if this is just a way to make sure that Amy's still sort of present in the bullpen since she was normally downstairs for a little bit last season. Yeah. Um, and I've been talking a lot. So how did you feel about Honeymoon? <laughs> I thought it was really fun and very much in the style of the show. I'm not too concerned about it losing its voice or changing um, no. with the the change of networks. I think they knew what they were getting when they picked it up. And clearly they have a pre-existing relationship with the creatives here. So I don't feel like they'll they need they'll feel the need to tweak. Like NBC will feel the need to like give a lot of notes. Um as for this episode, I thought it was fun. I thought there was some good stuff in here. The diehard role playing was just <laughs> really funny, really well done. Uh and well well played by both actors. Um but for me it was sort of um a lot of Kind of, I, I it felt like just a episode to get us back to where we're supposed to be, and uh, I'm more excited about what's going to be coming the rest of the season than maybe this episode itself. So it's reassuring that it's back with the same tone and with the same um, kind of writing and uh, performances. But I am more excited for like at, you know getting out of the resort, getting back to normal with our whole crew together. So we will see how that goes. The next episode is Hitchcock and Scully. I will be watching it right after we finish recording. Um, (laughs) There is a screener. Um, And I've held off this long. I did not hold off with the the Good Place screener. Um, Yes, more on that in a bit. But uh, but, but I, I am more excited about that than I am this this episode, which I feel bad saying that it was still very good. It just, you know, yeah, I'm looking forward to everybody back to normal. So we'll see how it goes. Um, let's talk about the good place and the book of Dugs, And let's start with Nicole Byer. Cause she was perfect as Gwendolyn. I'm going to, sh- I'm going to try and shake my fist at you. Oh no, it's just a wave. It's just a wave. <laughs> oh, great. No follow-up <laughs> questions. I mean, just perfectly cast in this role. I, they continue to just, have one of the highest like hit to miss ratios I think with their guest cast like every person they bring in is perfect for what they're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, and it speaks to like how really aware that their casting department is in sync with their writing and vice versa probably of like all right, who can we get? We can obviously have you guys been watching Mailed It on Netflix? We can totally get Nicole Byer. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, by the way, if you haven't been watching Nailed It on Netflix, it's delightful. Um, I don't care for it, but I do really enjoy oh. her. Yeah, no, she's great. Yeah. And I, I totally feel you on, like, sometimes it's good. I can watch, like, I've watched, like, a couple, but then it's just, like, I can only watch so many at once. Mm-hmm. My person was sick, and she went through all of them in basically a day. <laughs> And so I caught a couple of them and just went, oh, this is good. But then as the third one came on, I just went, I'm out. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, uh, anyway. I'm aware I'm in the minority. Everybody else seems to love it. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. I like, I'm totally cool with, I'm probably wrong on this yeah. one. But uh, but <laughs> it's clear how how lovely she is from it and how funny yes. and well-suited she is to, to hosting and, and really makes yeah. that show work. It would not work without her. And No, it totally would. It would be easy for this role to not... Like, to, to be too far one way or the other. So I think she really nails this. Uh-huh. Uh, what did you think of the decision to not actually go to the good place? I think that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. um, we get all we need about the good place, really, from the committee that shows up to decide to make a blue ribbon committee mm-hmm. that will take 1,400 years to do anything. Um and so we can dig in we should dig in like deeper to this episode but i was glad to basically not actually get into the good place yeah i Um, think that was smart it was smart because there's no reason to do it because it's not it's not important to what the actual sort of thrust of the season is ended up becoming which is capitalism ruined our ability to be good to people um (laughs) And so I think that there's just a, there's, there's better things to do with your time than actually explore what the good place is like. Mm-hmm. So limiting it to a committee, that committee and uh, Nicole Byers character, I think is all we really need to do. Yeah. And it's used really effectively and it's really pointed. It's maybe a little too pointed even for this show, but I also expect to, that to be somehow upended because of how the show operates. Um, so I liked the overall scope of this episode. I liked Chidi and Eleanor's date. Mm -hmm. Um, I appreciated that this was basically an hour of romantic partners trying to latch onto one another's particular fetishes. (laughs) Um, and like, um... And just like, all right, so we've got a Bonnie Bedelia. We've got a Dewey Decimal System. We've got a hot postman. And just like, this is a very good trend that's happening on all of these shows right now. <laughs> um, so I appreciated all of that. And I liked Hani's sort of attempt to try and figure out a way to fix the Jason, Janet, Tahani triangle, sort of. And none of it really quite working. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do want to hear what you thought about Book of Dogs. But, Kate... The most important question is, what does the good place smell like to you? <laughs> I, of course, does it smell like does it smell like perfect violin strings? No, no, no. It might. Can it smell like playing perfectly in tune every time? And the confidence yeah, that you are. Fair. Can it smell like that? I don't know what that yeah. smells like, but that would be nice. I mean, warm pretzels and moral truth apparently smell very close to one another. So I think you can smell abstract concepts like that. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> or or just like the, the <laughs> can it smell like having the confidence, like the, 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 you know, that saying having the confidence of a mediocre white man. 
Yeah. <laughs> like actually having that. Yeah. Um, no, I, I immediately, of course, went to Harry Potter and the, the one potion that my sister remember the name of, but that Hermione smells the fresh grass of the Weasley house and everything. And it's, I think it's from book four. Um, but it, it, that was a fun little touch. I liked the uh, performance from Paul Shear, of course, and hopefully he'll be back at some point. I always enjoy him. But uh, I do think it's a little expected and boring the way they're going. With the committee and everything, um, I don't feel like there's anything that they're saying that's interesting or new there. And I guess I really felt like a let's just get this out of the way so we don't have to worry about why it's Michael who is the champion against the bad place. You know, which it just felt very convenient and like they've been a lot more creative and I think had more interesting things to say about the bad place and about banality and some of these other things in a way that they we're not interested in exploring for the good place. Um, I think it also, I mean, make, it makes sense, but I, it's not that there are more interesting things that they're playing with in pretty much every other part of the show. And um, yeah, some of it comes next week. So I'm going to stop there. Uh, are you excited about the cliffhanger? I'm interested in the cliffhanger. Um, and so I haven't, I haven't watched next week's yet. Yeah, I like um, literally got the email like right before we were going to record. And I was like, well, I'm mm-hmm. not going to keep writing my drag race review right now. I'm definitely going to watch the <laughs> penultimate episode of the season. <laughs> so yeah, you're probably the more responsible of the two of us, but that's okay. It's, it's really good next week, guys. You'll, you'll enjoy it. We'll talk about it next week. Okay. I'm looking forward to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, then, unless unless there's more, you have any other thoughts about the various Dugs? Let's head over to Steven Universe and Escapism. What did you think of, you know, a little Steven Watermelon, like the Return of Watermelon Land? What did you think? I liked it. Um, mostly, I appreciated how exasperated Steven was by literally everything around him. Um, but I also, I think, like, by far and away, already one of my favorite visual gags of the season is Steven trying to blow the sail, but nothing but seeds coming out of it (laughs) (laughs) was very, very good. Um, yeah, I, I meant to, like, go look at the wiki to see the last time we had visited Watermelon Stevens and what was going on. Um, but I liked the sort of two tribes sort of thing and Steven just being like, I just, I just need to, I just need to go. Mm -hmm. Can I go? Can I please go? Um, and so I liked all of that. And I liked the bit at the end of, all right, we're going to do charades. No, you just need to spell things out in the same. (laughs) Just right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just right. Um, so I thought it was a really sweet episode and I appreciated that it also sort of gave the voice cast like a break, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, but managed to tell a really good and really compelling story without the voice cast. Um, so I liked it overall. I'm eager for week, uh, because we got a week off, Kate, Mm -hmm. we got a week off. Um, for the big finale to the Diamond Days, uh, sort of storyline and what happens. Yeah. Um, I was really hoping that they were going to get Lars to, like, circle back, um, but alas, no. Well, maybe that's coming, because we don't know yeah. how Bismuth and, and all of them are going to get there, so get to Homeworld, so. That's true, yeah. yeah we will we will see. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a really well done episode, and, um, you know, like the title says, escapism. You know, they, they wanted to make sure they got just, a, like, a comparatively silly, fun abstract episode in there 
with you know without sacrificing everything else that's going on with you know maintaining the character arcs and and journeys and everything um without really sacrificing the stakes of their current predicament um but giving everybody a break from from the diamonds and from from all of that so i thought it it served its purpose i thought it was fun um i always am like I never know exactly how to feel about Watermelon Island and the watermelon people. Yeah. And like last time we saw them, they were performing ritual sacrifice. Like, yep. so like they don't back away from really messed up stuff there, which I think is appropriate uh, for in like an appropriately like dark little corner of their world. Um, so yeah, it was it was interesting that that's where they went, and I thought it was I thought it was a good episode. I thought it was fun. So uh, I'm really looking forward to, to the the hour long movie. Well, it's it, not the Steven Universe movie that's coming, but just this special. And uh, yeah, hopefully that's when we, we will get our song if we get one for White. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Let's move on, though, to the second half of Marvel's Runaway Season 2. You said the first half of Season 2 really kind of wrapped up Season 1. How did the second half of Season 2 go? So the second half of Season 2 establishes um, what season, what a theoretical Season 3 is going to deal with. Oh. Um, yeah, in a lot of ways. like It's a very kind of long wind-up to that. Um, when my person and I finished watching season six, we were both season six, episode six, we were both kind of like, wait, what are you guys going to do for another like six episodes? Um, and they answered us with a really kind of fun sort of answer of, oh no, we're going to keep kind of the same threats, change them up a little bit. And then re rejigger a lot of, um, where everyone is by the end. Um, so I can talk a little bit more spoily mm-hmm. if you That's want. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So listeners, you've been warned. Yeah. Listeners, you, yeah. Um, so at the end of episode six, they blow up Jonah's spacecraft, which has like all of his family inside of it. And like a bunch of other like high, high and mighty folks from whatever planet they're from. And, um, Nico stabs Jonah through the heart with her staff. It's super epic. But... The people from the spacecraft are literally made of light. Um, so they take on new hosts. So Tina, Stacy, and Victor all get possessed by someone. And Victor gets possessed by um, Jonah's light, basically. And it's actually one of the nice things that... I mean, they telegraph it really quickly because... James Masters basically just begins acting like um, Julian Julian McMahon, mm-hmm. um, like hitting like his cadence really well, and so it's telegraphed very quickly what's happening. But it allows like the parents to remain a threat while still doing an alien threat and all this sort of stuff. Um, so I like that recalibration of things. Um, one of the people on the spaceship is actually Carolina's betrothed or believes that they are Carolina's betrothed. <laughs> yeah. And that's like creating some really fun dynamics. So basically the season ends with like Gert and Dale and old lace, like on the road because Dale is afraid of Stacy mm-hmm. <laughs> now because Stacy has basically gone like commando terminator type of personality now with the uh light possession um uh carolina's mom is now with the runaways um because hey she's pregnant with another jonah's babies Mm -hmm. again 
And so, like, the Runaways have been split apart on Victor and the other... Victor slash Jonah and the other controlled uh, parents have Carolina and Janet and Chase, like, in life-sustaining tubes, basically. And they're going to eat them <laughs> to, like, keep their yeah. keep themselves alive, basically. This Like how they use the pods in season one. Yeah. So it leads off with a really good sort of everyone's scattered, everyone's in peril type of cliffhanger while still sort of keeping a lot of the dynamics in place, which I really appreciated. So I liked the back half of this season a lot more than I liked the first half, which was a lot of, we need to wrap this up because we got this really good idea. It's kind of what it feels like. Um, So I'm interested in another third season because I really like this cast still. And given a number three of their stronger parent actors, totally new types of personalities to play. Is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And so seeing the woman who plays uh, Tina in particular, um, let me pull up her name real quick here. Where is it? Uh, uh, Brittany Ishibashi. Ishibashi. I'm going to, can you put, say, Brittany Ishibashi? Yeah. Uh, Brittany Ishibashi. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Like, start yeah. from there because I'm going to cut uh, the middle. Okay. Yeah. All right. So being able to see Brittany Ishibashi play something very different from how we've seen Tina before is a lot of fun. And so that was really nice. Um, so I'm, 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 I wanted to, I want a third season and I'm curious how much uh, weird Disney corporate stuff is going to play a part in this um, since Disney basically owns all of Hulu now, mm-hmm. sort of, almost. Um, but May want to import it to the Disney Plus platform. Who the hell knows? Um, so, type of thing. Uh, so, yeah, I'm interested in the third season if it happens. Um, but I wouldn't... There hasn't been an announcement about that either way. Yeah. I... Yeah, I'm certainly much more intrigued after hearing about the second half of the season than I am... Than I was hearing about the first half of the season. So, that probably bumped it up on my to-watch list. It's certainly higher than... For example, The Punisher, which I didn't finish season one and have no intention of watching oh. season two. So, Caitlin, Caitlin from TV Guide told me it was not the best. Yeah, it wasn't great. Marvel's not good at second seasons, so yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Um, but I mean, it sounds like the second half maybe of this one is a better second season than Marvel tends to do. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, cool. Well, that's good to know. Um, a hard shift in tone to our next show, <laughs> which was Surviving R. Kelly, which is a documentary uh, or um, investigative journalism sort of uh, series on Lifetime. This is a six-episode series looking at the allegations of abuse, uh, of sexual and and physical and emotional abuse of R. Kelly of lots of people and uh this is a story that has been around for decades now but has finally seemed to gain some traction um after like a few different like like start of a movement against him at different times over the past you know again decades um it feels like maybe it's gonna stick this time which is Great. Uh, for those who don't know, R. Kelly is a massively uh, successful R&B artist, uh, particularly um, 90s and aughts, but even still now. And he, uh, among other things, likes to have sex with 14-year-olds. And I can say that, and say allegedly, 
allegedly he does because there's tapes of him having sex with 14 year olds that somehow he convinced a jury might not be him, even though it clearly is, um, which is why I have to say allegedly because he was found innocent of that particular case of pedof- uh, pedophilia and uh, and child pornography in a court of law. Anyways, uh, R. Kelly is a monster, and this documentary series interviews his survivors um, and really kind of tracks him from his childhood all the way up to the current day and various things that have been going on, various uh, families and individuals that he has targeted. It speaks with a lot of people who have... Uh, who were in various types of relationships with him and interview. It's very notably interviews um, includes interviews with, I should say uh, like psychologists and therapists and experts on abuse and, and that kind of thing, which I really appreciated. Uh, it includes uh, interviews with like Wendy Williams and John Legend and Charlemagne the God and some other notable pop culture figures and, you know, people who are um, in the music industry. Um, it, the, it does, however, I think there's a lot that it that it does really well. And I I watched the first two episodes and then kind of had to stop for a while before I power through the rest of it because it's hard to watch. Um, but, you know, what I figure is the survivors of his abuse want people to watch this. So I should watch it, considering I watch many other things. I watched... The Clinton Affair, which I thought was another really well-made and interesting documentary series. I watched um, Scientology, Life in the Aftermath, the Lee, Lee Remini show. So if, the, if, if R. Kelly survivors want people to watch this, I should watch it. Um, however, I do think that friend of the show, Angelica J. Bestian, had a terrific review of it up on Vulture, talking about the, like, the stuff it gets right, but the ways it really kind of missteps in the last handful of episodes, it like, um, I, the reason I stopped watching after two, um, and kind of waited a while before started, I started watching again. It's just, it felt at times like there was just this, um, like watch women cry, watch women okay. relive their pain. And it's like, there was like, not, not an enjoyment of that, but just like, uh, some level of exploitation, like, cause there's a difference between not turning the camera away and turning the camera on to make sure that you catch every moment of it that you can. And like this, um, like the beauty of, and the grace of these women impeccably, impeccably made up looking fabulous and, and fierce and, and like the survivors that they are. And then watching tears roll down their faces as they describe what happened to them. And, you know, it's obviously it's that's honest. That's what they were experiencing and and they want people to hear their stories. Um, But I feel like like sometimes it crossed a line into almost like like enjoying that suffering or the performative element of, you know, so Angelica wrote about it much better than I'm describing it, of course, because she's wonderful and very, very smart and knows her shit. Um, so I'll I'll link her review in the show notes. People can go check it out. But I do think um, for me, it was worth watching. Uh, a lot of the stuff I had heard before um, from reading different uh, the, the various exposés and articles that have come out over the past several years about what's going on with R. Kelly right now. And like he's has women. um 
held in what people are calling basically like a sex cult um where they're like they have to they're like in a room and they can't leave the room they can't eat they can't go to the bathroom they can't do anything without asking his permission like for days um it's really messed up um but uh the uh so so i there was not a lot of new stuff in here for me um however i i also think the, the documentary wasn't nearly condemning enough of the people who allowed all of this to happen they really focus in on r kelly and they want to interview other people like people who used to work for him people who supported him uh via the radio uh like keeping his music out or like former security guards these other people um and there's not near like they wanted their involvement so they don't ask them the hard questions or they don't condemn them the way that they should have. There's a line from his ex-wife talking about like how she couldn't understand how he could be doing all of this stuff while he was touring and while he, you know, was married to her and having like being a, a father to their kids on occasion at least. And then she, when she, and she figured out, Oh, the way he can do all of this just like, how is their time of the day? It's because he has people helping him do all of this. And that is a part of the R. Kelly story that does not get the attention it deserves in this documentary series. So there is some really powerful stuff, some, you know, some really uh, terrific examination of what it takes to leave an abusive relationship and um, how he exudes this power over people. Um, so, I, you know, I felt like it was... I, I was glad that I watched it, I guess, but it's a hard watch and don't, don't binge it. <laughs> you know, if, if, if you are at all interested, um, and I want to support these women, check it out. Um, there's going to be, there's some more documentaries coming on the topic. Um, so there, maybe there might be other ones you want, would rather watch instead, but I thought it was pretty well done. It covered a long period of time. I felt like it was very well organized, uh, I was surprised, pleasantly surprised with the range of people that they interviewed. And, um, yeah, I thought, yeah, I'm, it's just, it's a tough watch. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, again, abrupt tonal shift. While I was watching Surviving R. Kelly, you were watching Terrace House opening new doors because, you, you know. You're not a glutton for punishment and pain and suffering, apparently, the way that I am sometimes with my viewing. Um, uh, so I, the only thing I know about this set of Terrace House is that um, apparently upon watching it, one of your first thoughts was, oh, no, why did I choose Taka as one of my favorite people from 2018? So I need to know what went down on part five of Opening New Doors, because that is an abrupt shift. Right, so um, Taka had been sort of um, somewhat pursuing a woman named Aya on the show, and I have felt very much cast in a sense of being like, "All right, we're going producers thinking we're going to pair them off. They're going to get paired off together because Aya had watched the show before, found Taka very um, attractive, and was into older dudes, et cetera, et cetera. So it was like." Mm -hmm. Perfect. All right, we've got it. We've got sparks for the old guy so he can leave and bring in someone new. And Taco basically went, yeah, about that. No, I'm way into this ex-girlfriend of mine now that I'm actually going to ask her to marry me. 
And I'm going to go around the house explaining this to everyone and also be very happy when I crush this girl's dreams. Um, uh, in a very nonchalant sort of way of like, he's, he's, he's in that happiness bubble that he doesn't like relate to other people sort of things. You know how sometimes people are just a little too happy (laughs) and like don't understand how their happiness might hurt someone. Mm -hmm. It was that. And so he was just kind of oblivious to the fact that this was just kind of crushing for Aya and he does it in such a casual, nonchalant way. And she's like, oh, boy, buddy, you just made me look super bad. <laughs> I don't appreciate that. Um, so that that basically was the, um, um, whatchamacallit, like the first sort of like three episodes mm-hmm. and like Noah and Cena leave in the second part. Uh, second episode of part five and um, Taka decides to leave as well in, in that episode. Uh, a couple of folks come back from the previous parts for his farewell. And then we get three new people. We get a skateboarder, we get um, a student, fashion student, and then we get this kind of like really well put together, seemingly well put together guy named uh, Soda, who sort of has taken over the show a little bit. Because here's here's my favorite thing about this show in across this part, Kate, is that we've got um, a guy um, named oh, what's his name? Shun Shunsuke, um, who um, st- started off part four at the end of part four, going, yeah, I may be bisexual. Part of the reason I came on the show was to figure that out, mm-hmm. and it was very cool. Um, and um, he figures it out by going on a date with a friend date basically with soda and decides, yeah, no, I'm bisexual. I've got feelings for the strike guard. I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's really good. But soda, sorry, everyone responds to, um, Shun's sort of announcement that he may be bi with kind of shrugs. Like no one really kind of cares. It's like treated very nonchalantly. Soda who's, um, in like his mid to late twenties has is divorced and has a six-year-old kid that he does not see. Ooh. Everyone in the house treats this as like, what? And a lot of this is like societal type of stuff of like divorce mm-hmm. and having a kid that you don't see at all. Yeah. Like he has zero custody. Your zero c- child. Though right, I shouldn't say like that. Is, I don't know the situation. Sh- no. No, it was a custody sort of situation yeah. of like they decided that he wasn't going to have any contact with the kid. And so, but all of this, everyone treats this with like mouths covered, looks of shock Mm -hmm. type of thing. And so I just really appreciated the dichotomy of these reactions of like, oh, you're bisexual. Okay, you've been divorced. You have a kid. And all this sort of like really kind of these sorts of like shocked responses. I really appreciated that that was what people got kind of like weirded out by and wanted to know more about Mm -hmm. um and how much of that is like oh no we don't really want to talk about it or no we're just very supportive about your lifestyle figuring it out type of thing but you've been divorced um (laughs) type of thing so i i've enjoyed part four soda is kind of terrible though Mm. is the other thing like he decide he's hasn't really he works every day so he's not in the house a lot and he has to commute into tokyo for it but He's just, you get this sense and they, everyone talks about it from the, all three of the women on the show, plus like the commentary, um, the commentators of like, he, he clearly doesn't know how to talk to 
women, does he? He just kind of assumes things. Like, he asks one of the new cast members, Arisako, who is a model for a number of older ladies print magazines. By older ladies, we mean late 20s to early 30s. Mm-hmm. To the point where one of the women in the in the house asks her which magazine she's been in. And Risako replies, you probably haven't heard of them because of your age. <laughs> <laughs> which is really good. But he asks her... Be and he phrases it well. I've got a slot open for a expedition to go get new glasses, and it's just like that's how he frames asking her out on a date to go get new glasses for himself. Face this palm, guy is the worst. Face palm. Yes, yes, exactly. So he's delightful in how really totally awful he is, but he also is not aware of how totally awful he is. Um, so there's a number of other like things going on within figuring out like cast and romantic entanglements, which they have to hurry up and do, Kate, because part six is the last part. The final episode Mm. airs in Japan at the start of February, so they've only got another nine episodes to sort of, like, figure everything out before the show is done. Um, Well, this iteration of the show is done. Um, So part six should drop sometime probably in, like, March or April for us, and I'm very excited. So part five is really good overall. I really like a lot of where the dynamics are, and so I'm interested in seeing what this finale is going to look like. Okay. Well, I'm intrigued and I really enjoy hearing about what's going on, like, th- mm-hmm. like filtered down through you. So I'm looking forward to you watching it and telling me. And at some point I may yeah. catch up because I-, I do enjoy it when I watch it. It's just, you know, yeah. I have to read subtitles so I can't be also doing invoices. Right. <laughs> so that-, that bumps it down my list. <laughs> No, and that totally makes sense. Um, I had like two episodes left on this part, and so, well, three episodes, and I watched all three of them sort of in a sitting, but my person joined me for the last two, and she just went, this is so much better than the episodes that you showed me from the other one. Um, Because I had showed her like the first like couple episodes from Boys and Girls in the City, which is the first Netflix iteration of the show. And she didn't really glom onto it at all. But these episodes, she was like, this is really good. And I just went, oh, I showed you the wrong season. Oh. Now, are you going to start the season over so she can watch it? It's up to her. Like, uh-huh. we've been working through, like, a couple of things. So if she wants to, um, we may. Um, but we'll see. The only other Terrace House-related thing is... Kate, you made me aware ask. of this, and I don't like you. <laughs> I, I don't like you for making me aware of this, but um, Legion has cast my beloved Lauren from Aloha State, who was one of the few people on Aloha State that I liked in a very like engaged way. She's she was so brittle and insecure, and I liked her a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but now she's going to be on Legion, and I don't know what to do with this information. I don't like it because now <laughs> I'm maybe going to watch Legion just for Lauren. Um, so I'm not crazy about it, Kate. I'm not crazy about it, mainly because it's going to make me watch Legion. I may have cackled I when Legion. I saw that casting. <laughs> just, just maybe. I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to let me know which way you fall on it. Because if you watch it, we'll talk about it. Um, yeah. And if not, then no. <laughs> but I'm not going to catch up on season oh, two. No. So I'm just going to be super lost. No, no, no. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's totally okay. I'm sure someone has made like a two minute catch you up if you need it on YouTube. But yeah. I'm not even going to watch that. Screw it. Why not? <laughs> Well, I, that yeah. we'll see what happens. I'm very entertained yeah. by that. Um, speaking of very entertained, let's go to our last show for a week in TV, and that's RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars, Jersey Justice. So, inquiring minds, meaning me, want to know: 
did I overhype it for you or was this as good an episode for you as it was for me? No, you didn't overhype it. This was a really, really good episode. Um, And as I texted you, the only thing about this episode I did not appreciate is that it made me look bad in front of my person. (laughs) Um, because she's been watching this along with me, and this is her first exposure to Drag Race. So I've been kind of explaining a lot of the ins and outs of the show versus the normal iteration versus All-Stars and that kind of a thing. But one of the first things I told her is just like, Latrice isn't going to go home for a while because she's World of Wonder sort of like attachment to a lot of things. She does a lot of like the specials. She shows up in like the finale as like an MC like a couple seasons ago. Um, so Latrice has been around. She's like a beloved, uh, by the fan base and rightfully so, um, based on other things I have seen her in. Mm-hmm. She hasn't been particularly good on all stars. Yeah. Um, but generally Latrice is very good. So I was just like, Latrice isn't going anywhere. And then Latrice got eliminated four episodes into the season, Kate. And I looked stupid <laughs> and I don't appreciate that. Um, But it was also, like, very clearly, short of Manila winning, Latrice was going to go. Which I I really appreciated how all of this got built up. And you wrote really well about this in your review over at um, the TV Club. uh, About how all the editing and the narrative that is built through the editing really leads up to this really good conflict. Uh, Particularly within Manila. um, But also within uh, what Monique has to, like has to grapple with of like, all right, do I save my friend? Obviously you're going to save your friend. Or do I take the awful fan based hit of eliminating Latrice? Mm -hmm. So the episode's just rich and delectable, even for someone who isn't as necessarily tapped into the, uh, drag race fandom and basically relies on you to tell me these things. (laughs) Um, but I think that, like you said, like the episode is really well constructed and, it's overall the challenge of Jersey justice is really delightful. And there's very sort of clear tops, bottoms, winners, losers within this challenge that I really appreciated. And just overall, I think that there's just a lot of, it was just really, really good. Like you said, so you, you did not overhype this. This was a really solid, strong episode, which I really needed after the snatch game of love episode and how just frightfully disappointing that was. Oh, excuse me. So, um, yeah. So tell me a little bit about uh, Jersey Justice and how you felt about it that maybe you had to cut out of your 10,000 word review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, it was so long. And it would like, I cut out several paragraphs to get it down in word count as much as I could. Um, and it still was like, 1800 words or 1700 words. it's supposed to be a thousand words everyone and i have not yet gotten close to that um yeah you know I, I really liked several of the the aspects of this episode and what i touch on in my review is like you said like the way that they are constructing this narrative so that by the end of the episode you're like oh my god this thing i would not have thought possible at the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. has to be true i am shook i am shook it <laughs> and um it was really i watched this episode with a couple different people so i watched it i had my mm-hmm. screener i watched it by myself i watched it with friend of the show uh Allison shoemaker i watched it with my sister so i watched it three separate times and like going on the journey with each like first by myself and then with Allison and and then with my sister um it was really interesting and i noticed some new things each time which is fun 
Mm-hmm. Um, I really loved some of the littler moments, like when they're doing the deliberations. You see the moment where Monet realizes, "Oh wait, I need, I need to sell myself to Monique." I didn't think I was I was gonna. Ha- I'm not a sure thing with her. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, I guess let's you know. And, and, and some of these other like the the little thing with um Trinity and Valentina is so great. It's like, but you wouldn't send me home, right? Obviously, because we're like, we're tight, and I just helped you, and all the stuff. It's like, oh no, no, bitch. I would definitely send you home. Like, just kind of evaluating where everybody stood. It was really. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's very highly rewatchable. I will say, um, I do not. Die. I mean, I think I think if you know the strength of Manila and uh, Latrice's relationship outside of this season, it's way more effective. Um, like mm-hmm. they, the, like if you watched them on All Stars One together, like they went on tour right after that. They released a single right after that. So like they have been very good friends for a very very long time. Um, then I think it it works even better because like people have their friends on Drag Race or was like, but that's like Manila and, and Latrice is like a whole separate thing. It's like a whole, like this is one of your like very best friends for years and years and years. Not just someone that you've hung out with sometimes that you work with, not like a colleague, not like a good friend compared to everybody else, but like someone who is, because like right when they were touring and stuff, that's when Manila's uh, partner died. Cause her, her partner at that time, who was also a contestant on the show, Sarah Davenport passed away uh, while they were doing a lot of stuff to- together. So like, they were spending a lot of time together during a really difficult time. What must have been a really difficult time for Manila. Um, so, like, that is... Uh, they're, they're really tight. And so that... So given all of that, I totally buy everything we see from Manila. However, I also think she was, like, tweaking it up a notch for the cameras in a way that made it feel a little fake. So I don't think it is fake, but, like, I, it comes off as just that little extra bit performative that I think okay. adds an extra layer of, 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 uh, okay, how much, like, like the theories I've seen now, some people are conspiracy theorizing, theorizing that maybe she threw the lip sync so that she wouldn't have to pull the lipstick because she knew Latrice should go home. What do you think about that? I mean, we'll find out, or you, well, you are. Oh, no, know no, probably. no, not that she put, but she knew that if, if she sent someone home, if she sent Monet mm-hmm. home when Latrice deserved to go home, she'd get a shit ton of trouble. But if she didn't win the lip sync, then it wasn't her fault that Latrice... You know what I mean? Oh. Yeah. I mean, I can see that happening, but I mean, it was sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't oh, kind definitely. of situation. And I thought they both so did a good I job on the lip sync, too. Yeah, I did, too. Like, um... I think, like, the choice of the bitches back is really good, but I also think that there's a point in the lip sync where... Manila just kind of fades out a little bit and Monique just comes forward really hardcore. Mm-hmm. And I think that like shifts it over enough. Yeah. And I think it's also possible that like it was a clearly a very emotional 
thing for yeah. Manila too, Moment. and that could yeah. have affected her performance too. Yeah, um, absolutely. But also when they slayed it, I thought she she was like yeah, like I said, the look was really good. It was too. so good. Like, the makeup, just- every yeah, no, it was terrific. And I thought she she was serving Tina, man. She really went for it. And yeah, just like I have heard you, Rue. This wig is not coming off. I may not be able yeah. to get it off tomorrow, but it's not coming off for this lipstick. Um, so yeah, I thought it was really really well done and really satisfying. Um, I like the Jersey Justice stuff. I think all the behind the scenes stuff really. Overshadowed the Jersey Justice stuff, but I I was really surprised at how well Valentina did. When I rewatched, I appreciated her performance even more. Um, I liked. I thought that Manila and Naomi were both really good. I might have put Naomi top two, um, frankly. Yeah. Um, but of course, I wouldn't have worked for the narrative, so that's why you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, and I also I gotta say I've been loving all the looks. I think they've like this season they've been really crushing it on the runway. Um, spoiler alert, that holds true in the next episode, too. Um, of course, we should talk briefly about the controversy around Manila's dress. So her dress is like this quilted padded fabric, which is the only way it fits yeah. with the padded for the gods theme. It doesn't at all fit with the theme, really. And I was very curious about that. I thought that was weird until it came out on various social media um, that she actually had a maxi pad dress complete with blood stain and into a red like tool like like underneath like fabulous dress that she was going to wear originally and then she was told by the producers uh that that it was in bad taste um thoughts goodness knows i have them i don't see what's bad taste about it. there's nothing like, in bad understand. taste about it there's nothing in bad taste about it and i don't understand like um my person sent me that um Send me the Instagram uh, grab of Manila's original look. Mm-hmm. And I just went, oh, that's really good. This explains a lot. Yeah. Um, and I, the idea that this is in bad taste is nonsense and really ridiculous. And Manila's explanation of why it's nonsense of like, I've got a number of like female, biologically female identifying or people who go through periods. Yeah. And... This is a fact of life. And also, it's a good joke on padded mm-hmm. and all this sort of stuff. And so I think that there's a really good thing here. And that it was just super weird that they went, this is in bad taste. Because I don't understand why it's in bad taste. Like, I legitimately don't understand. Well, and also it's super chic and elegantly done. Yeah, it looks amazing. Yeah. Like, it's really good. Yeah. And uh, it's just, like, women have periods and they bleed and that's gross because... Yeah. yeah? Like, do they not know their audience is, like, a lot of cis cis women? <laughs> like, percentage-wise, yeah. it's very heavily cis women um, at this point for Drag Race. And that's just... It seems very, very odd. You'd think it would have drummed up a bunch of publicity for them. Right. And, like, the legitimately thing I can think of is that VH1 standards and practices... Wouldn't allow like, it. It filtered down. And we're like, no. And... But then I also go, but VH1's reality shows are just, like, not... Like, not at all sort of, like, like high-class sort of entities in and yeah. of themselves. Um, so I'm just like, I don't know what the line was here apart from do we not want to remind people that people bleed or like what's the thing here that's bad taste because i legitimately don't understand and it's stupid you can't just like look good while you're yeah. re- referencing a period you have to like yeah. be 
gross or trashy or shameful right. or something. Or comedic yeah. in some way about it. Yeah. And this is not. This yeah. is like a high fashion sort of approach to this. And it looks really good. Like, all of Manila's runway looks have looked. Yeah. And, like, Manila kills on the runway so hard every week. <laughs> and so it's just, yeah, I think it's stupid. It's stupid. Yeah. Yeah, I will say I was very hyped for the next episode, um, which yes. by the time people hear this is already aired. Um, but I will say, everyone, tamp down your expectations. It's a transitional episode. Things yeah. appear to get real in the next episode. So okay, this next one yeah. is a setup I episode. Mean- but the roast is good. I'm excited about this because I enjoy Cicely Strong and you've got Nicole Brown, who are the guest judges. Mm-hmm. And oh, they give me life, Kate. Yeah. They both of them, they give me life. Yeah. Again, they're crushing it with their guest judges all season. It's fabulous. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Well, what wins your week in TV this week? Uh, that's a tough call. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Um, Blackish was good with the camping stuff, mm-hmm. but um, I think I'll give it to Honeymoon, Brooklyn Nine-Nine season premiere. Um, yeah, I feel okay about doing that. What about you? Um, well, I'll mention You're the Worst came back, and I had a, had a good episode, a strong episode for its season premiere, but for me, this was, like, this was Jersey Justice. This was RuPaul's Drag Race okay. All-Stars. I watched it what feels like a long time ago, but, um, yeah. I really like Good Place. I really like several of these episodes, um, but the one that I was like, I need you all to watch this so I, we can talk about it. <laughs> It was definitely All-Stars this week. So that's what's going to win my week in TV. Um, Now we'll take a break and we'll come back with our winter 2019 TV preview. We'll be right back after this. We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined us ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And Noel, we're kicking things off for our winter 2019 TV preview with today as we record. Uh, so the January 11th. So there's already been like a week and a half here in January, but I'm assuming that y'all know what has been airing or else, you know, we've been talking about it. Uh, you don't need to be reminded. We're just going to start with the 11th and, and move forward. So why don't you kick things off? What are What's coming back this week? Uh, so, um, like, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend comes back, which is really the most important thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, we've got a couple of new shows uh, starting today. Uh, so Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime's got a six-part British terrorism thriller. Amazon seems really into the terrorism thrillers recently. A lot they of dad do. TV. Yep. Um, called The Informer. 
um, which I have heard next to nothing about. I don't remember seeing any previews for while I was watching Homecoming. So I don't know really much about this. Um, I know it's Petty Cansodyne. Yeah. (laughs) That's all I know. Um, Yeah, so, and Netflix dropped a new sort of dramedy called Sex Education, which has Aza Butterfield, who I basically only know from the really terrible... um, Ender's Game adaptation. I think that was him. Pretty sure that yeah. was him. Um, but it also is Gillian Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. And it's called? Uh, Sex Education. Which um, is the thing with, everybody's uh, talking about. <laughs> yeah. Which I hadn't heard of literally until today. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll probably watch a couple episodes um, of this because this household loves Gillian Anderson. Mm-hmm. As all right-thinking households do. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. The the thing for... The, it's about... A, she, uh, she's a sex therapist, and her son, like, starts up a sex therapy clinic for kids, like, for, like, for teens, uh, underground at the school. And so I yeah. don't... I could see the many ways this could go awry, uh, but it's eight episodes, yeah. and it's an hour long. And yeah, maybe we'll be talking about this next week. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, what else is coming up soon? So big thing on Sunday is the return of True Detective uh, for its third season on HBO. Uh, this has um, Mashallah Ali in it. It's got, um, goodness, I'm blanking. Uh, Stephen Dorff's in it. Scoot McNary's in it. Uh, Mamie Gummer's in it. Um, and Pazolato's back. Yeah. <laughs> see, there's my thing. Uh, like, I was yeah. super excited about Mahershala Ali. And yeah. also the rest of the cast, but like having him be yeah. one of the leads. And then I saw that Nick Pizzolatto's was still back, and I was like, "Oh, but I really don't like him." So uh, the reviews have not been great so far. Um, yeah, and I don't think I'm gonna tune in. What, what What do you think? Oh, I haven't watched any of True Detective since like the first two episodes of the first season. So I'm I'm good. Okay, I'm fine. Yeah, okay. I'm. I mean, I I like a lot of this cast, like you alluded to, but mm. I don't. I don't need to watch it. I don't <laughs> want to watch it. Um. So yeah, and I'm not going to. Yeah. Fair um, enough. Um. Yeah. Next. So. Is... Yeah. So also premiering. Well, also coming back. We should say. Um. Victoria is coming back on PBS. Mm-hmm. Um. For its new season. That's the. Um. What's her name? Um, Jenna Coleman. Jenna. No. Is it? Yeah. It's Jenna Coleman. Yeah, it is. I was confusing Olivia Coleman and Jenna Coleman in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's Jenna Coleman's uh, Queen Victoria show. So that's coming back on PBS uh, for Masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, Monday, January 14th, uh, Fox has a new drama called The Passage, uh, which is based on Justin Cronin's uh, vampire-ish book trilogy of the same name. Um, and it's got Mark, Mark Paul Gossler. Ooh. I know, right? You would have told me a couple years ago I, that was a like a selling point. I'd have been like, you're crazy. And then pitch was really good. So, yeah, I don't know that I'm going to tune in, but because the premise I'm not interested in at all. But I'm yeah. hearing good things so far, and I really enjoy Mark Paul Gossler. So maybe I will yeah. watch it. Yeah, so he's a surrogate father to a 10 year old girl who's the test subject for a secret government medical experiment that could eliminate all diseases. Or all of humanity. Yeah, dun, yeah. Done, done, done. This sounds like a very Fox show. 
But yeah. Well, it's like if your vaccine is going to eliminate all diseases, like I feel like there's no way that your story isn't going to humanity is the disease. Like, you know, I don't know how it's not going to just end up very much in. What was that FX show with the vampires? The Strain. Yeah, The Strain. I feel like it's going to end up being The Strain. Um, yeah. So who knows? Maybe we'll tune that in onto that one. Let us know, listeners, if you are interested in that one. Um, I know people are very, well, I'm excited about the return of Drunk History and The Flash, but people are very excited about the return of Roswell uh, or the reboot of Roswell. Did you watch the original Roswell? This is coming back on Tuesday the 15th. Yeah, so no, I actually don't think I've seen even a single minute of the original Roswell. And we should note that to differentiate it, this new Roswell is called Roswell, New Mexico, as if you needed that clarification. (laughs) But there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So this is, uh, it, it is a reboot. It's different characters, but it's the same premise. Aliens land in Roswell. They're, I'm guessing they're sexy teenagers because it's on the CW. Um, do we... Uh, th- this is taking on like a narrative of undocumented immigrants and take, sort of looking at it through that lens, which I appreciate them changing up a few things to, to feel more relevant in the, the current time period. Um, are, do you have any thoughts on this one? Are you going to check it out? Uh, no, because I've heard it's pretty bad so okay no. well that is a good reason to not check it out though people what really i am do gonna love check out that original roswell so i kind of feel like maybe i should check that out but maybe you had to be yeah there. yeah maybe we should check that out but you know what we really should check out kate what should we really check out it's the reboot of temptation island <laughs> yes that clearly <laughs> Clearly that no, is we're not doing that thing. Yeah, we're not doing that. I'm also <laughs> not going to check out Deadly Class on January 16th on Sci-Fi. Um, this is an adaptation of a graphic novel, um, but I have <laughs> I have heard scuttlebutt as to one of the co-creators or showrunners um, and various other things, meaning uh, leading me to think I will not like this show. Um, yeah, I've heard some problematic things about about priorities and uh, personalities on the creative side of this show. And I was already not that interested in it. So yeah, this is about a, a, a teenage uh, boy who's recruited to be uh, a, a, like go to assassin school basically. Um, so yeah, it's I'm, I'm, I'm good. What about you? I appreciate that sci-fi's development is like, you know, the magicians really hit for us. Can we find another sort of genre high school program that deals with someone being tossed into something they don't understand but being really good at it anyway? Mm -hmm. And the answer was apparently deadly class. Um, No, I have no interest in this, despite Benedict Wong's um, uh, presence as sort of like, I guess, the headmaster of the school, or at least a teacher. That was Um, almost enough to get me on board, and then I started hearing things, and I was like, hmm. Never mind. Yeah, no, I'm I'm gonna pass, and I'm I'm tired of passing on sci-fi programming, but it's just not doing anything that appeals to me, and it's making me sad. Yeah, I might check in with Shit's Creek, which is back uh, Wednesday, January sixteenth on Pop, just because I feel like it's kind of hit a critical mass now. People are really excited about it, and I've been meaning mm-hmm. to catch up for a while, so maybe this will be the year that I do it. Um, however, I had not heard of this other new show coming out on the sixteenth called Wayne. This is on YouTube. Um, and this is about a, uh, a teenage teenager who goes on a quest to find his father's uh, car that was stolen. Um, and so they're going to drop the whole season 
But um, I, I, this is from the writers of Zombieland and Deadpool. And so I, I imagine I'll have that kind of sensibility. But um, I actually don't watch any of the original programming on YouTube. And maybe I should. I don't know. Have you heard about this? Uh, I have not. Um, I like Dean Winters a lot. But um, I'm also not willing to give YouTube any money. So. Well, there is that. Ding, yeah. ding, ding. Um, the big, the next big one that um, that I've been hearing people talk about, January 17th, Thursday, January 17th. Obviously, Star Trek Discovery is back. I'll be checking in with that one. Um, there's some, a few other ones that are back that same day. But A Discovery of Witches is the big premiere. That's going to be on Shudder and Sundance now. And this is a British show. Uh, and again, it's vampires. And I don't care about vampires at all. Apparently, they're back. Um, but this cast, listen to this cast. Okay, it's based on a series of novels by Deborah uh, Harkness. Um, but it's got Matthew Good, Alex King, and Teresa Palmer and like Matthew Good plays the it's like a, like a witch someone finds out she's a witch and the witches are real and everything and she falls in love with a vampire and of course they're mortal enemies and so all that kind of stuff I don't like I'm so tired just reading that synopsis but Matthew Good is one of the leads and he's the vampire who's in love with the witch who's like maybe he can overcome his evilness or whatever I don't care about that at all but he's he's so good and we love Alex Kingston I don't know. I'm kind of torn. Uh, I I don't think I get Shudder or Sundance, so um, I won't be able to find out until this hits, like, streaming on something. Um, I really like that cast, though. That cast is super good, and I'm just like, but I got tired listening to you talk about <laughs> vampires, so I'm not probably going to watch this. You're more likely to watch um, the Mark Paul Gossler vampires than the Matthew Good vampires? Well, I don't have to pay for that. <laughs> that, that. That does help a lot. Um, yeah. Okay, how about Friday, January 18th? We have, I think, the one we're most excited about, of course, is Carmen Sandiego featuring Gina Rodriguez in the in the lead that's on uh, Netflix. It's animated. Uh, are, are you excited about this, like, reboot with her as a hero? Um, sort of. Um, <laughs> not, like, super-duper excited about it. Um. Mainly because a lot of this, like, sort of recalibration of Carmen into this sort of, like, anti-hero sort of thing reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of, like, the arc for She-Ra, as if they just kind of, like, decided to trade story bibles of, like, all right, how can we do this? Um, evil girl goes good, evil girl goes good, perfect. Complex female character. But I feel like you can do a female villain that is relatable, charismatic, and also not terrible human being and still do that really well. So I'm wondering how much of this was like production choice, how much of this was like Netflix, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the thing is that I'm still going to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I'm not su- even super keen on like the animation style of it doesn't really like grab me either. Um, so I'm sort of like kind of holding my breath for the, um, whatchamacallit, for the live action now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see how that goes. Um, I imagine you're pretty excited for the return, though, of Grace and Frankie that same day, which I know is one of your favorites. I am very excited. I just saw that that was coming back today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm very excited for season uh, five of that. It makes me it makes me very happy because I like that show a lot. Yeah. Also coming back the same day as as we said, Marvel's Punisher uh, season two. Then there is. Let's see, that takes us to the 19th, uh, January 19th, and there is on BBC America, that's where Di- that's when Dynasties <laughs> drops with our uh, for our planet Earth-loving uh, listeners. Um, but that takes us to January 20th. So what's happening in that, that next week? 
Right. I, I appreciate that we skipped over the Star Trek Discovery season two premiere entirely. Like, no, we're not talking about I said I was going to watch it. Hey. <laughs> um, so um, Black Monday starts up on Showtime. This is a Don Cheadle uh, comedy on Wall Street in 1987 during that particular crash. Um, it's got Regina Hall, Paul Shear, and Andrew Rannells. Um, and so I just immediately go, oh no, Don Cheadle's back on Showtime. What happened? What did we do? (laughs) What did we do to Don Cheadle that he has to go do another Showtime comedy? (laughs) I thought we were done with this. Yeah. Um, I really like Don Cheadle, just not enough to watch Showtime. Yeah. And to not watch another Showtime comedy either. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm just like, oh, poor Don Cheadle. Because um, I also so, really like Regina Hall, Paul Sheeran, and, and uh, Paul Sheeran. Yeah, and no, the rest of that. But I also felt like about that House of Lies too, which also had a really good cast. And yeah. went, this show's terrible. I won't even watch uh, you for Kristen Bell. That says a lot. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so maybe I'll check this out because I like the cast, but probably not. Like you can watch the first episode already. I think on YouTube because mm-hmm. um, that's what Showtime does. Um, also coming back on the 20th, um, Hype Maintenance comes back on HBO, um, Smilf comes back on Showtime, um, Shameless is back on Showtime as well, so basically all your Showtime shows are back, and mm-hmm. Supergirl's back on the CW. All those CW um, shows are back that, 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 that week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so everyone comes back that week, except, like, Legends of Tomorrow isn't back that week, I think. Cheers. Not to, like, um, April or something. Yeah, so Legends of Tomorrow's got, like, a long break, which hurts me. It hurts yeah. us both. Oh, so um, the kind of big news on January 22nd is that Conan's back. Um, Mm -hmm. This is after they've been off the air for quite some time. Um, They're going to come in with a half-hour format now. Yeah, Um, like no band, right? Because they got renewed, but only if they, like, really cut down their costs. Yeah, so there's no band. Uh, There's going to be a more emphasis on comedy. I imagine that there's going to be, like, a more, probably a lot, given that they've been off for a while, there's also probably going to be a number of, like, um, out-of-studio segments as well, Mm -hmm. um, which Conan has done a really good job of doing. So when they announced this sort of recalibration, one of the things that they floated was doing sort of, like, a weird sort of travelogue sort of thing. And so kudos to TBS for keeping him on and also kudos to TBS and Kanako for sort of trying to keep him around a little bit in terms of like there were a lot of intersexuals, particularly during the Angie Tribeca um, marathon of like, here's how you can keep up with Conan. And I imagine that those have been airing a lot during like Big Bang Theory reruns. <laughs> um, so we'll see how that goes or rather... People who watch Conan will see how that goes. Um, <laughs> since um, I don't, and I don't think you do either. No, I don't. I don't yeah. usually. But, you know, it's yeah. one of those shows like, yeah, I'm glad you're getting money. But yeah, I'm not going to watch. I'm also not going to watch The Magicians when it comes back on January 23rd, which is the Wednesday on Sci-Fi. I know people love that show, but every time I watch it, I'm just like, eh. Or, you know, like, that's the strongest reaction I have to it. So I'm, yeah. I'm happy for the people who are happy. They're already talking about their next musical moment. I watched the Les Mis thing. I didn't think it was very good. And I know that's blasphemy, but that's where I'm at with the magicians. So I'm I'm glad for the people who, who really like it. Yeah. And it's not us. It's not us. Um, yeah. Uh, January 24th, Broad City comes back. And I think this is his last season. This is his last season. Yes, this is yeah. very us, <laughs> and season five yeah. will be their last season. 
yeah, so that comes back on January 24th on Comedy Central, so that's exciting. Um, if you were at all interested in season two of Siren, that comes back on Freeform. That's their <laughs> mermaid show. Um, I don't mean to, like, knock it, but yeah. Um, mm. Let's see. Friday, January 25th, Black Earth Rising drops on Netflix. This is another British thriller um, about the prosecution of African warlord in an international criminal court. Um, this is from the guy who created uh, Honorable Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, that was good. Which was super good. It was like one of my top shows that year. Um, I really, really liked that show. So I will probably check this out. Um, John Goodman's in it. Um, so you've got me right there. I mean, Michaela um, Cole. We love and her. Michaela Cole. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's solid enough right there for me. Mm. Um, let's see what else we got. Well, not a television show, um, but Mads Mikkelsen <laughs> stars in Polar. And this is a terrible looking movie that I'm going to watch about <laughs> a retired assassin who um, has to gets pulled back in very John Wick style. But it's Mads Mikkelsen fighting a bunch of folks and I shooting a bunch of folks. We'll watch that because it's and Mads yeah, exactly. And is I'm going to watch that, so thank you. Yeah, um, and I will probably pepper in episodes of the last uh, six episodes of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, <laughs> during it's, Polar as well because that also comes back on January 25th for its last season. It's a very uh, Netflix day for us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very funny. Netflix day for us. And if you had Cinemax, uh, Strike Back um, comes back as well on the 25th. Mm-hmm. Um, so January 27th, yeah, it takes us to the 27th. Be, it's going to be kind of a big night. Um, so you've got the Screen Actor Guilds Award. No, that no one's going to nope. watch on TBS and TNT because everyone's going to be watching the three-hour live production of Rent on Fox. I'm assuming it's probably not going to be me, but I'm assuming other people are going to watch it. <laughs> well, so we've got Kiersey Clemens, who we enjoyed on Angie Tribeca. Yes. Right. We've got Brandon Victor Dixon, who was amazing, and she's Christopher Star Live. I'm definitely yep. a fan of Vanessa Hudgens. She's going to be in it. And yes. Valentina, of course. Uh, so I'm certainly intrigued. I don't know that Valentina yeah. can pull off Angel's song because it's a really hard song. But yeah. I don't think that uh, that's a I don't think that's a role you cast with Valentina just because of Drag Race. You know what I mean? Like I, I, Drag Race has certainly become a phenomenon, but I don't think it's yes. to that level. Yeah. Yeah, and it's I'm intrigued by the sort of like spillover that's starting to happen with that, mm-hmm. and what what we're tapping into or the audiences that we're attempting to grab by doing that. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I'm definitely gonna watch. I might turn it off if yeah. it's terrible, though. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. What about I Am the Night? This is on January 28th. This is the Chris Pine miniseries on mm-hmm. TNT. Um, yeah. That's directed by Patty Jenkins. I'm like I'm certainly intrigued. Yeah, I'm really, really interested in this. I'm interested, like, in Pine's particular sort of platform fluidity that he doesn't seem to care. And Mm -hmm. I'm really interested in, like, how that's crafting him from, like, a star image thing. But at the same time, I'm also, like, legitimately interested in this particular program of, like, a connection between the Black Dahlia murders, reporters, this whole sort of thing um, based on autobiography. And so I'm really intrigued by this, and I really like Pine, and so I'm curious to see what happens here, and hopefully this is a legitimate miniseries and not a turnaround sort of thing of like, anthology show, sorry, we meant anthology show, <laughs> <laughs> um, everything. Are, are you intrigued in this? Are you going to check this out? 
Yeah, I will probably check it out. Um, and I'm certainly intrigued. I, I still don't know if I will say that Chris Pine is best Chris for me. Uh, but he's no, certainly in contention. Like there's still Chris Evans. Chris but, Evans for me. Uh, but yeah. most interesting choices as an actor, Chris, definitely yes. Chris Pine. <laughs> yes, I just, absolutely. Person I, I like, I also actually, I think pretty much all the Chris's are really good actors, which is why all the Avengers superhero movies have actually worked because they actually cast really, really good actors and then just like, I guess, pumped them full of steroids and no food to get them in the kind of shape you need to be to be you know captain america um but but i really respect the choices that pine has been making in his career and i'm being like patty jenkins yeah yeah i want to work with patty jenkins it's on i don't care whatever patty jenkins let's do it yeah (laughs) Um, so i'm i love her and wonder woman let's do this (laughs) absolutely um that takes us to february and uh i i think i know the answer to this but we're gonna make ourselves watch the abc murders right on amazon prime with john malkovich as which is bullshit but that's happening right this is the latest sarah phelps yeah no we're definitely watching this because i i have to see how this goes and yeah, so I'm definitely watching this. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, like you, it's not good casting, but Phelps has done really good work with her adaptations with the Agatha Christie stuff. So I'm intrigued. Yeah. Um, what Just about... not with this casting. <laughs> yeah, no, not with this casting. Um, also that same day on uh, Netflix, we have Russian Doll, which is Latasha, Natasha Lyonne, um, where she plays a character who uh, can't, leave a party because she as soon as she dies the party starts over she comes back to life and you know so she keeps restarting uh again and again so i imagine it's it's eight episodes um and a comedy i like natasha leon I'm, I'm sort of intrigued what do you think i like the premise of this enough to check it out after i watch velvet buzz buzzsaw <laughs> what is this Okay, so this is a Netflix original film uh, from Dan Gilroy, who did Nightcrawler. And mm-hmm. it's got a really just bonkers cast with Jake Gyllenhaal, David Diggs, Rene Russo, Tony Collette, Malkovich again. Um, and it's about contemporary art that comes to life and starts killing people. And okay. I encourage you to I encourage you to watch the trailer, Kate. I encourage listeners to watch the trailer. Because this is either going to be the absolute best thing or the absolute worst thing. But either way, it'll be the best thing. Um, <laughs> so I'm very excited to watch this because even if only for Hall's voice choice that he's doing in this, he plays an art critic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just very good and very weird. And I'm here for it. Okay. I'm yeah. leery still. Yeah. I- no, I yeah. totally understand that. Yeah, okay, we'll see. Um, let's move swiftly on to February 8th, which is a Friday, because that's the day other things are happening that day, and we will talk about them. But the thing we care about is that one day at a time is back for season three, and I saw a trailer, and it made me happy. <laughs> I, I can call you my other hole! And... Don't, don't, don't do that! <laughs> yeah. So good! So good. So um, good! Also that day is Pen15, Pen15, um, on Hulu, which is a 10 episode comedy. Uh, this is, it's it's a, like a middle school kind of comedy, right? About, uh, th- but there's two of the characters are played by adults um, uh-huh. who, are, who are playing themselves when they were in middle school. I think uh-huh. so. So, like the characters are middle schoolers, but the actors are older. So, 
I don't know. I've heard some buzz about this, but not a consensus. Are you intrigued by this one or not really? Sort of. Like, a lot of this also feels like, oh, we're going to do Big Mouth, but live action, but without yeah. all the hormone monster stuff. Of like, Because they're voicing thinly veiled versions of themselves on Big Mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, or not versions of the, well, one version of himself. Yeah. Um, but then another version of the co-creator of Big Mouth. Um, so I just feel like this is that, but like a little live action, less Mm -hmm. fantastical. So I'm a little bit intrigued by it, but not like super duper intrigued. Okay. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. On February 10th, we have the Grammy Awards, which I don't care about, but other people do. That's cool. You have fun. Uh, Walking Dead is back, which I don't care about, but maybe you do. And yay, have fun. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I'm going to move swiftly on to Miracle Workers on Tuesday the 12th on TBS. I've seen several comedies, uh, comedies, several ads for this comedy. This is um, uh, Steve Buscemi plays God um, and uh, which a little, apparently that was originally going to be Owen Wilson, which what a recast. Yeah, yes. no, that's 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 moving up. <laughs> that's definitely an improvement. Like nothing bad on Owen Wilson. I've seen him be terrific in lots of things, but like God is Owen Wilson versus God is Steve Buscemi. Always, I'm always going to choose Steve Buscemi. Um, yeah. But anyway, so there, there's um, there's a bunch of other uh, characters that that are like angels, or whatever. Trying to, they're in like the like somebody gets transferred to the wish department or the prayer department trying to answer someone's prayers. This conception of the, uh, of heaven and the afterlife and all of that from the, uh, the guy who did man seeking woman, which, you know, I really, really liked at its, at its peak. Um, so yeah, it's, it's got Tyus Burgess, Margaret Cho, Tim Meadows, Chris Parnell, uh, Angela, uh, Angela Kinsey. It's, it's got, uh, a lot of really talented people. Oh, Dan Radcliffe is in it too. Um, the actor whose name I do not remember, but, but he's the cabbie in Deadpool is is in it um, and is, you know, he was he's always super fun. So hopefully, I mean, I, I really want this to be good. We'll see. It's supposedly going to be a uh, anthology series. We'll see. What do you think? I'm super pumped about this. Like I saw the uh, promos during the Andrew Tribeca Marathon. And I just mm-hmm. went, oh, this is so my jam. Plus mm-hmm. this cast. I'm very much into this. So I'm very excited to see how this works. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to February 15th, which is a Friday. We've got Doom Patrol on DC Universe, which we're still not paying for. Um, but if you are, this is a live action series uh, about Robot Man, and uh, it's it's uh, Brendan Fraser's The Voice, and uh, there's Negative Man, who I'm not familiar with, Elasti Woman, um, Crazy Jane. Do you know these characters? Sort of, but not really. Like, I'm not super familiar with Doom Patrol, um, really, we should also know that it's got, like, Matt Bomers in it as well. Oh, yeah. Just, like, D- uh, Dan Guerrero's in this. Yeah. Um, April Bowlby, Timothy Dalton is going to be yeah. in there. Uh, Alan Tudyk. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, again, I mean, I didn't give DC Universe money to watch Young Justice Outsiders, so... Not going to wow. do this yeah. one. Um, Kim Possible live action? Yeah? Yeah? No. 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 Oh, come no. on. I, I like the trailer for it, but no. no. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm, I have more hopes for Lorena, which is a four-part crime series on Amazon Prime about Lorena Bobbitt. And the reason I am intrigued from this because it comes from Jordan Peele and because I've been seeing other, like, uh, Bobbitt things that yeah. are interviewing him. And fuck! 
him. He's a domestic abuser piece of shit, which is why she cut off his dick, because he was beating her, and she was afraid for her life. So, like, anything that is turning the story into a let's talk to him is full of shit, in my opinion. So this is talking, saying, hey, let's look at her. Um, so I will probably check it out. What about you? Yeah, I'm I'm going to give this a shot. I'm curious about what what's going to be in here. Yeah. Um, same day. So we're still on February 15th. On Fox, we have Proven Innocent, uh, which is a the latest uh, legal uh, procedural going on. Uh, we see <laughs> Kelsey Grammer. It means I'm not going to watch it. But uh, Vincent Carthizer is on here, of course, who's terrific and Mad Men and, and <laughs> not as good as, as he would later grow to be when he was on Angel, but that's okay. Russell Hornsby from Grimm is is here. Um, yeah, so some other uh, people we, we appreciate. Lori Holden. Um, I'm yeah, I, I just like it's a it's about people who try to help the wrongfully con- convicted. But I just I really don't like Kelsey Grammer at this point, so I probably won't yeah. make space in my life for it. Um, there's also the Umbrella Academy on Netflix, which is going to drop season one on the 15th of February, and this is based on the uh, graphic novel, and this is the the Ellen Page show. Uh, this is about a family of superheroes. Do you know about this one? I just know that Netflix is very excited about it, but no, I don't know much else about it. Yeah, there's a lot of these adaptations coming out in a short span of time here during yes. um, the, the this winter like chunk of TV. Um, February twentieth, we have Documentary Now back for for season three. Do you do you get it? IFC? I don't know. I'd have to check because I feel like you might like Documentary Now. I mean, have you tried it before? I don't remember. No, I did not try it. I was going to say, like, I, I think I was just talking to myself about that one. Yeah, last you were. Time. <laughs> um, so they're, but they're going to do uh, a seven episode season. They're doing uh, Wild Wild Country. They're doing Company. They're doing, um, oh, they're doing League of Extra- uh, the League of Ordinary Gentlemen, which is that bowling documentary. Um, so they're doing some different uh, fun uh, documentary parodies and uh the cast will be terrific like it always is but um yeah i really like the second season so fingers crossed on this one um and then why don't you take over what's coming up next yeah we'll skip to february 24th which is uh sunday which is when the academy awards are that nobody cares about and nobody's hosting now um but immediately after that abc is going to try to get you to watch whiskey cavalier which is the FBI CIA um, action comedy with Scott Foley and Lauren Cohen from The Walking Dead. Um, yeah, the, the but the same episode will also air on the 27th, uh, which is its usual time slot. So you don't have to stay up after the Oscars to watch an hour long show <laughs> after that. Um, so, yeah, this NBC, ABC, I think, is kind of keen on this since it's got two uh, folks that are popular. Um, one from one of their old shows and then another from a show that is still popular. Um, so yeah, I'm not particularly excited about this, um, because I've never really liked the whole Mr. and Mrs. Smith sort of thing. Um, but, uh, I don't know. Uh, how are you feeling about this? I mean, this should be Kate Nip because I really enjoy Scott Foley and Lauren Cohen. Um, uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, mm, do you think they're going to mention the nine year age gap? I don't think they are. No, I don't think they are either. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they're really, you know, they really want us to like this. Um, I mean, it does come from Bill Lawrence, who did Scrubs and Cougar Town, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll check it out. I don't know. 
Um, yeah. I'm definitely definitely not staying up till after the Oscars to watch it, though. That's that's just yeah, not going to no. happen. Yeah. No, it's not. Um, mm-hmm. So on February 25th, NBC drops its latest we got to go hunt down dangerous criminals show um, <laughs> yeah. called The Enemy Within, which stars Mark Pellington from Arlington Road. That's a deep cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, by Mark Pellington, who did Arlington Road. That's still a really deep cut. No one remembers Arlington Road. Um, Jennifer Carpenter from Dexter is a CIA agent turned traitor who's freed from a life sentence from Supermax by Morris Chestnut, who wants her assistance tracking down dangerous criminal. Congratulations, we're back to the blacklist. Yeah, um, yeah, basically. <laughs> um, which is still on, so I'm just, I'm not quite sure what we're doing here. Um, yeah. I don't know what Mental Samurai is, but I'm probably going to watch at least one episode of it, Kate. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a Fox game show that starts on February 26th, and Rob Lowe hosts the, and I'm quoting here, first ever obstacle course for the mind. Um, I don't know what this is. I, I, it's like Jeopardy doesn't exist, apparently. Uh-huh. I, I just went immediately to a uh, <laughs> Celestial Toymaker moment from Doctor Who. This is first Doctor back in the day mm-hmm. when William Hartnell was uh, didn't have as much uh, physical strength and endurance, so he couldn't really film the show as much. So they're like, let's have an episode or a series of a story, a series of episodes, where he's like out of his body engaging in mental like battle in over a series of games with the Celestial Toymaker. <laughs> <laughs> that's re- and I would rather rewatch that one probably. I think that's probably a better use of your time. Uh, I will note though, you skipped right over John Legend joining The Voice. Oh, does he join The Voice? Well, that's fun. Yeah, it's on the twenty fifth. I, I like I probably still won't watch, but if there was anything that could get me to jump back on, that's pretty high up there. Well, that's good to know. So yeah, that's February twenty fifth. Yeah. Um. Though it's only on for like two weeks and then it goes on a hiatus for over a month. So, you know, they were like, we can get John Legend. We have to go on a hiatus for a month. That's okay. Yeah, that's pretty much what they did. Um, So so that was uh, February 25th for The Voice. Um, February 26th for Mental Samurai. And World of Dance also comes back. Um, But what we care about is February 28th, Better Things uh, returns to FX. That's Pamela and um, Adlin's show, which is great, and we both really enjoy it. Um, so that comes back on February 28th on FX. Um, let's see here. I don't but- want to skip anything else. Wife Swap comes back. Kate, <laughs> are you excited about Wife Swap coming back we, on CMT on February 28th? We can 28th? skip ahead to March. It's okay. It's all good. Okay. We're not going to watch American Gods on March. T- I mean... Let me your face. I'm not going to watch American Gods, and I don't think you get stars. So that, no. t- so we don't. But that's on March 10th for those who are, yeah. you know, so inclined. But, but are you going to watch Cosmos Pop- Possible Worlds on Fox, which comes back on March 3rd? I'm assuming no. No, I'm probably not going to watch it as much as I enjoy Cosmos. Yeah, I don't watch Neil deGrasse Tyson stuff anymore since I found out he was accused of rape. So yeah. I don't watch his stuff anymore. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Um, so, yeah, let's skip down to March 12th. Mm-hmm. Um, NBC launches The Village, um, which... Another uh, medic- new, new title, people. Come up with a new title. Yeah. Which is not an adaptation of the M. Night Shyamalan uh, movie, which seems like a miss. That seems like a missed opportunity. Um, so I'm just going to read the Metacritic thing directly because I like the snark in this first sentence. Uh, <laughs> NBC's latest attempt to duplicate This Is Us magic is a sentimental ensemble drama that follows 
the sometimes interconnected lives of a diverse group of residents of a Brooklyn apartment building. Uh, so there's a single mom, an injured war veteran, a law student, a much older with a much older roommate, and undocumented immigrant. Yep. Um, <laughs> to which I go, no. nope. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Lorraine Toussaint is in this though. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's delightful. Um, but this is only a special premiere. The show goes off for like a month and then comes back on April 2nd. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So check out that special preview if that sounds at all appealing to you. But the recent rash of this is us sort of copycats is not something I'm particularly interested in. Nope. Um, also not interested in billions coming back March 17th, but I know other people are cause it was on a lot of y'all's lists for 2018. Yeah. So Yay. Yeah. That's fun. Um, are you going to watch the Marsha Clark show on March 18th on uh, ABC The Fix? I mean, no, because the trailer for it looked real bad. Um, but it, it was just real bad. Um, I think that there's a screener for this on ABC's uh, mm-hmm. website, and I didn't watch it when we were doing like fall preview stuff. Um, but uh, no, I'm probably going to pass. What about you? Yeah, no, I'm not that interested. I mean... Yeah. I mean, I like Liz Craft and Sarah Fain, but probably not enough for, to to watch this this show. I mean, there there's good there's good cast, but I've learned to not be lured in just by a good cast if I am leery of the premise. Well, on the upside, you will be lured in by Million Dollar Mile, hosted by Tim Tebow, because I know you love Tim Tebow. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, there's also on Hulu the Act, which is another one of these true crime anthology series. Um, so we'll see. I've, I've done pretty well by myself with the true crime, uh, anthology have, series. Yeah. So the, and yeah. this one has Patricia Arquette and Chloe Sevigny. So that's a, yeah, maybe, maybe, um, let's see. Jane is back on March 27th, um, for its last run of episodes, which will, you know, tears. Um, and then Legends is back on April 1st, Monday, April 1st on the CW. Um, and I think that kind of rounds out spring unless you want to go into april but i think we should cut it there yeah i think we should cut it there um since yeah legends tomorrow is what we care about yeah that's really what we're you know <laughs> legends and jane right that's yeah. that's how we'll know we're officially in spring and out of winter um yeah so so that's a handful of things that are coming up uh, you know there's i mean there's plenty more if we miss something that you're really excited about uh, reach out and let us know uh but there's i feel like it's going to be a little more spare of a winter than it has been the last couple of years and i'm kind of excited about not having like a deluge of shows i have to yeah. watch I am too, and I think a lot of that has to do with like um, shows, the networks in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what cable is doing right now, but a lot of the networks in particular are going like, well, if we start things a little bit later, they can run into summer. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to program as much in the summer. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's sort of a decision that they're making. Um, so I'm okay with that. Like, it worked out super well for, like, elementary last year for, for us. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> the three other people who watched it. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. That's okay. But, yeah, it's still okay. really good. We still had, we had, yeah. had a lot of fun. Okay, is, if you, is there, like, one... If you had to pick one show that's new that you're interested in, which one would you go with? I think I'd do in the, I think I'd do the Chris Pine Patty Jenkins. Yeah, I think that's probably the one I'm most interested in. Um, yeah, I think that one's it. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. And again, listeners, let us know if, if there's something else that we missed that we should check out or if I really do need to give the magicians one more chance, which 
Probably I won't. But maybe I will. If enough of you tell me that I should, I probably will. Um, on that note, before I get myself into more trouble and having to watch more shows, let's wrap things up here. A few show notes. You can find a post to this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook, start up a conversation there, or find us on iTunes with M4A of Chapter Feed and MP3 Unchaptered Feed. And we're also over on Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews. And of course, we're both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse, and Noel, you are? At Noel or K. Thank you, Kate, for a great week. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Mm-hmm.